All right, we are live. Here's the intro music. Hey everyone, I'm Ryan. And I'm Steven. This is 60 Cycle Hum, the guitar buying, selling, trading, modding, breaking, reviewing, playing. <laughs> You've missed fixing. Out. Fixing. We're, We're never going to fix this fix. thing. We only break. <laughs> Podcast. We're, in my mouth. We are a guitar podcast. Yeah. Uh, we're going to mix things up this week, maybe this year, and we're going to lead episodes with uh, old news. Old news. Is what we've decided to call it. We've always kind of shied away from covering um, current events because it's like, oh, other people already talked about it and blah, blah, blah. We're a guitar podcast. The fact that we're not talking about major things going on is honestly a disgrace. I think this is yesterday's news. <laughs> this is yesterday's news at this point. Um, Gibson bought Mesa, Mesa Boogie. Yeah. Um, my original, uh, my gut reaction to this was extremely negative. Yeah, well. <laughs> I was like, why? What? Why? I read the news. I saw it pop up on every single Facebook group that I'm part of, which is thousands of groups, unfortunately. Oh, my God. And <laughs> my first reaction was to clench my fists and grind my teeth and just be like, oh, no. And then I remembered, mm-hmm. I don't care about Mesa amps. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never going to buy one. I don't really care about Gibson other than, you know, the SG that I own. Maybe I'll have a Les Ball someday. I don't know, but I don't really care. You I don't like one. I don't, you know, drool over Gibson and be like, oh, someday yeah. I'll have a Gibson. I don't really care. And I don't, you know, I don't think they're going to mess up Mesa as a brand. Like, what could they? It's it's Mesa. Like, what are they going to do? So like, so the one thing I will say, okay, there are, I think there are potentially a lot of pros. Professionals. Uh, no, like pro. Like, oh, like good reasons for this. Okay. Pro. What is that short for? I don't know. Productives. Pro, pro, progress? Progressive? <laughs> Many progressive reasons. I like productive reasons. Um, yeah, when people say I want to make a pro list of pros and cons. What is con short? What is con short for? Concepts? I don't know. Okay, we've got I, a list of productions and concepts here. Um we're dead in the water now. Steve is thinking about words. <laughs> Welcome to a guitar podcast. Anyway, uh, so you got pros and cons. I think it's just like pro, like things are like pro is always like more. So it's like, uh, or it's like versus against, though I don't know what destructive is. Okay, what concept. point are you trying to make? The point I'm trying to make is I think there are pros here. I think. Oh, sure. Uh, one of the things is, oh, yeah, contra. Yeah. So ah. It's like, like contraceptive versus proceptive. Yes, proceptives. Uh, pro- <laughs> Sorry. Uh, We're never so, going to discuss this properly. Um, so I think the the pros are potentially, though I've heard that Mesa has always had problems, um, like get ahead. Like production uh, problems? Like production problems. Okay. In terms of keeping up with demand. Sure. Um, you know, they've they've always been uh, uh, having, they've all, they've, for a while had problems keeping up with demand because they're actually a relatively small company. Mm-hmm. Um, but the uh, other part of that is, you know, and this is something that I guess could be good or bad that uh, theoretically Gibson has, a, you know, could help them get into like uh, 
connected with manufacturers mm, yeah. or the right people or just give them capital to hire people uh, kind of things, right? Well, there, I think there's something to be said for distribution networks and stuff like that. I also, I mean, uh, I, I read about it quickly. I didn't really dive into it. Like, like I said earlier, I don't really care. I'm not a huge like Mesa fan or anything like that. I don't really care about Gibson all that much either. Um, it, but it sounds like the original guy behind yeah. Mesa is, is staying put. Yeah. But I kind of look at it like, and he's been at it forever. Yeah. You got to think there's a certain element of this is him passing on his legacy, gearing up for his retirement to make sure that the company just doesn't disappear and collapse. I mean, I mean, it, it absolutely is uh, from that perspective. Which is smart. I mean, if you're if you're looking to preserve your brand. You know, I, I it's I don't think this is like a Kramer situation where Gibson is going to put them on the back shelf for 30 no, years waiting for them no. to become relevant again. Mesa is an amp that a lot of people love. A lot of people love those. If you play pop punk or you play, you know, <laughs> you know, like Santana riffs or you, play, you know, you play any sort of modern high gain sort of stuff. Mesa is yeah. has been on your radar. I don't think it's a bad thing for them to do to buy it up. And I think it is going to preserve the legacy versus, you know, the founder eventually saying, well, I've retired. Is there anyone around to keep this thing going? And then who knows, you know? Yeah. Um, the other side, the other potential pro here is, and people, a couple of people, Time Lord Gaming called it out in the chat. I think so. I saw some other people call out in the chat is that this is going to put, you know, somebody with some serious a team, really a team with some serious like amp building experience in the Gibson umbrella. Right. And they, they mentioned in the articles that this is going to, uh, that Mesa is going to become Gibson's, um, custom amp shop. So right. if they need a custom amp for an artist or something like that, it'll, they'll be going to Mesa to have well, that done. And was it, uh, Gibson had the gold series amps. I remember like years ago, They've had like Epiphone amps off and on right through the years. Uh, but oh, I remember those cute little Epiphone really amps. But what I'd really like to see is uh, them bring back the like the Gibson Skylark, like the Gibson like '60s amps. Those mm, are really cool. That'd be nice. Um, but oh. do you think Mesa's? I mean, they could make anything. They, they, yeah, they don't have to make Mesa style amps. That and they're you know they're being bought into you know a. a a production setup like we were mentioning earlier and, and like a dealer network and things like that. So there will be room to expand and expand that company if they want to. I don't know. We'll yeah. see. Or maybe they'll just absorb it and shut down Mesa. Who knows? Yeah. And, It'll and, only be Mesa for like one or two NAMs and then they'll be, no, let's just make it all Gibson amps now. Uh, so the, one of the things, uh, one of the things that's interesting, actually, I, I so I was, I was looking this up the other day, sure. Uh, because I I kept hearing uh, other other people on YouTube, other YouTubers, um, yeah, uh, <sighs> refer to them as Mesa Boogie. Yeah. So I actually watched Randall Smith's video where he talks about like where does where does because there's Mesa Engineering, um, there's Boogie Amps, and then there's Mesa Boogie. Right. And uh, apparently he went to. Uh, the basically to the patent office, his local county patent office or whatever. And or the original name of the company was supposed to be Marin Engineering. Mm -hmm. And the the patent clerk was like, nope, already taken. And so he had some like other ideas that were kind of silly. 
ideas. But the thing is, is at the time, like, because he was still doing like, um, I think like engine rebuilding, uh -huh. he was saying. And so he wanted to be taken seriously, um, uh, as a, as a engineering firm in general, uh, he didn't go with some of his sillier, sillier ideas. So he was just like, uh, uh, Mesa, let's just go with Mesa. And so it was just like a throwaway. Hmm. Like this throwaway name. I, you know, I think. But he did pronounce it as Mesa. Not he did pronounce it not as Mesa. Mesa. Not Mesa. Mesa is well, what no, I've heard. So, so I've heard, I, I would accept Mesa, the very white people pronunciation, and Mesa, which is, you know, you're trying to be, uh, use, bring in that, that Spanish there. Right, That's right. fine too, you know. Uh, but uh, Mesa, I didn't Mesa. understand. Or Mesa, because there's Mesa. no Z there. There's no right. Z. Where's that Z? Show me that Z. There's yeah, it's no always Z. funny yeah. to listen to like the guitar nerds talk about Mesa. Well, they're British. They they right. Know. I live. We have a bunch of towns, but I live in a town in San Diego that has Mesa in the name. We got a ton of Mesas. We got a ton of Mesas around here, guys. We're dripping with Mesas, so I know how to say Mesa correctly. Anyway, uh, that that being said, uh, the co potential cons here. I know there are some people who are concerned. I, I I think overall the cons, the good, the reasonable cons, are things like people are concerned. I guess Mesa has a five year transferable warranty on their amps mm. and most companies i believe only have a two-year non-transferable um warranty so i think fender has like a two-year non-transferable right is the big one um and uh and so the um the uh some people are concerned that the warranty will change some people are concerned that like the uh repair network will change and so you'll start having like amp shops that aren't that weren't previously qualified as mesa uh yes uh repair shops mesa certified you know repair shops might be able to get certification because gibson will like roll back what it sure. takes to get that so i think that's a reasonable concern i think the idea that like this company is going to i think uh, the biggest suddenly, concern is that it just won't be the same product anymore and i think that's i think that is kind of I, th I could see them trying to do like what Bad Cat did a few years ago and release like a Chinese line. Sure. Um, you know, like I think Bad Cat, it was the Cougar series. I could see them. I think a smarter or more likely way that they would do go as, at least from my perspective, is Mesa has had like sub thousand dollar amps before. Sure. In the past, bring back some of those designs. Uh, Michael Krause just pointed out that with the Subway Blues, but I know there's some other ones. Bring those sub thousand dollar mesas back from you know 10 years ago as uh as epiphone or, mm. or gibson you know branded, yeah yeah branded things i mean it, honestly that what do what do modern mesa amps cost aren't they kind of in the, the price range of what people spend on gibsons anyways they're not they're like 2k I think. yeah i th i think i don't think there's any reason for them to dick with the pricing I don't think there's any reason for them to dick with the designs or the brand or anything like that just let it be what it is um, if they want to do, you know, Gibson styled collabs or whatever, like, oh, here's a cherry burst, you know, dual rectifier or whatever, you know, like, go for it, I guess. I, you know, it's, it's easy to be negative on Gibson. 
Um, they're, you know, a, a favorite punching bag of this industry just because they're one of the giants. And when they do perplexing things, it's like, ah, oh, that's, you know, what are they doing? How dare they? Oh, Gibson's at it again. Yeah. I don't know. This seems like a fairly normal thing. It's a big thing to buy, you know, an amp company that has such, um, you know, like a consumer following. And it seems like, oh, how can this big company buy another big company? But that's business, man. Yeah. And yeah. like I said, like the guy running it, you can't run it forever. Yeah. Someone's pointed out in the chat earlier that Randall Smith is 75 years old. Yeah. And the thing that I was watching, I think he said he started the company in like 1970. If I was 75 years old, I wouldn't be selling my company to Gibson because I'm like, oh, I can't wait to have another decade here. Right. I'm like, okay, let's get this set up. And then I'm just going to go freaking relax. Well, like, and it's, I'm done. And, it's, and, you know, they are, uh, they are retaining him. His title, I forget what his title is. But basically, it sounds like he's just going to be the amp guy. He's just sure. going to oversee the amps. Um, and so it'll kind of be interesting to see where that goes. Somebody mentioned, uh, I think it was Art Gerardo in the chat, asked, um, you know, didn't Gibson just declare bankruptcy? And actually, this isn't um, an uncommon thing to see, I think. I hear it on the radio all the time. Like, if you bank, if you file Chapter 11, then you can go buy a car right afterwards because it clears out your much. credit. It's there is. I don't know the details of it, and I don't know the details of Gibson's how they restructured that. But a lot of times there is that is, is, you know, there are certain bankruptcies, which, you know, Gibson may or may not have done. I'm not, I don't know their, their, uh, again, I don't know what they're doing the hands thing a lot tonight. Um, (laughs) he was talking with his hands on our podcast, but a lot of times they, uh, these things do allow for that where it's like, it allows you to restructure, get rid of bad debt. Mm -hmm. Um, and then basically they go like, Oh, we've had a, They've probably had a good couple of years since uh, getting rid of Henry J. Right. Regardless of, you know, whether or not Play Authentic was a huge joke that you made fun of on your podcast channel (laughs) a bunch. Uh, But, uh, you know, it seems like they've had a pretty good year. They've had a couple back-to-back, like, pretty interesting NAMs. Sure. Particularly, like, the Epiphone stuff they rolled out in 2020 was really solid. With this going on, like, I I was remembering back. Previous NAMs were like the Gibson booth had very few guitars going on, but it was like, hey, look at these record players. Yeah. We bought a yeah. record player company. Hey, check out these studio monitors. We made Gibson studio monitors where they were doing the wrong thing. Yeah. They were buying out consumer electronic companies that had nothing to do with Gibson with their legacy as being a guitar brand, with being a music instrument brand. And it was just a huge head scratcher. At least yep. this makes sense conceptually. Yeah, and I think um, so. I think that's kind of where that that money that bounce back comes back. You know, they get it. Uh, and then the other side of it is that uh, you know this. Aside from you know, the, I guess there is a potential that they run Mesa into the ground, but more likely, like Mesa's been presumably profitable. Gibson, maybe they're profitable, maybe they're not. I, I can't say. The right? fact that Gibson hasn't run themselves into the ground through all those Henry <laughs> J years, like you can complain about, uh, you know, JT in his leather coat or whatever yeah. his name is now, JC, JC, uh, and Mark Ignacy or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, but I, you know I what? Heard Caesar's a real douche. But you know what? It's. It, I feel, I feel like they've righted the ship. They do stuff that's laughable sometimes, but at least they're being a guitar company now. Yeah. You know. That's, um, and they're at least they're making stuff that looks like it makes sense. That looks like the stuff that people actually want to buy from them versus, you know, the crazy wacky stuff that Henry was coming up with. Um, 
Okay, we, well, you have and, more piece and, to and say. And the other one, the other part of that is, um, shoot. Oh, I, what I was going to say is, I, at least for one of the older Gibson bankruptcies, or maybe it was this recent one, um, that was when they like peeled off a lot of their like weird, those weird right uh, consumer electronics brands. And um, from what I've what I've always read around that time is like their guitars always sold even oh, sure. know, 2014, 2015, like the dark period where, you know, of robot tuners, um, they were still selling guitars. They were doing a lot of repairs on those. Guitars, right. Right. But they were selling guitars. You know, they're, they're like blue jeans and Harley Davidson's and bass and bass boats. People just, just buy them. You yeah. know, there's always some out there who's just going to buy this stuff. Like it's just, you know, they were delving into that consumer electronics stuff because Gibson got a wild hair that they wanted to be bigger than a guitar company yeah. because, you know, Josh Scott has mentioned it a lot. Like, you know, he's, he's hangs around with other people that are, uh, you know, like they own companies yeah. They own manufacturing companies. He owns a manufacturing company, mm-hmm. but the you know the guy down the street who's making way more money than Josh Scott ever will making pedals is just making sporks all day. Right. Like if Gibson, right. Gibson wanted to figure out oh, what's the spork that we can make that can get us into Target and Walmart, yeah. and we can sell a million you know hundred dollar record players versus trying to sell you know a hundred thousand you know, $4,000 guitars or, or whatever they do in a year. I don't, yeah. I don't know what they even do. Um, that all being said and me sounding like I'm fully, you know, defending Gibson and whatever they do. Um, it does see, it does feel funny to me, a very legacy, you know, resting on their laurels, boomer brand like Gibson buying an amp company, this kind of headed, that's been headed that direction for a long time. The last right. time I felt like Mesa was an amp company where I was like, oh yeah, maybe I should check those out was like the late 90s. <laughs> it's It's been a couple decades, guys, since I was like, oh yeah, Mesa amps, that, that must really be something. So maybe that makes them a perfect fit for Gibson now that they're transitioning into the legacy years of their life. <laughs> I don't know. What do you guys think? I, I, I'm... Yeah, you guys. Yeah, just yeah. Throw it in the comments. Do you think? Do you I, think I that Mesa is is headed to being a legacy brand, or do you think that they'll have any like new hot stuff to bring to the market? I think it's going to be hard. I mean, where do you, you know, go from a triple rectifier? But, you can't have a quad rectifier, right? Why not? Why not? <laughs> the, there's um, not the market. The market won't even support it. The market will not support oh a quad gosh. rectifier. What about a? What if they just skip skip the quad? A quintifier and go to the uh, quint. Quin, a rectif, a double, a quint, quintuple rectifier. Um, <laughs> a sextuple. Now we got something. A sextuple rectifier. But I mean, they make other amps. Yeah, they know? do. Uh, you know, the, the, they've got a reputation as a high gain amp company, yeah. but they make other amps. They they make clean platforms. They make classy amps and stuff like that. I don't know. There might be something there. We'll, yeah. we'll and, see. And, and I think, um, you know, again, it's it's tough when oh. it's been kind of like a one man show or at least the perception of a one-man show like that but you know marshall's had some weird missteps but just because jim marshall's gone doesn't mean they like just vanished you know um and i sorry i'm my voice is just being super weird i believe in you steve you Um, can do it i don't think that if you have the right principles in place and you select the right people whether it's in the family or out i mean you think about out 
companies who have stayed in the family, like Ernie Ball. Mm-hmm. Ernie Ball's been around forever. They're on what the at least the second, third generation of Ball ownership, maybe more. And the thing that they all have in common is they're all assholes, right? <laughs> um, right, right. I well, we're, we we locally we see that with Kiesel Carvin. Yeah. Uh, Kiesel was the original name of the brand, then they shifted to being Carvin, and the original version of Kiesel Carvin has existed since the 30s, the 40s, or something yeah, like that. Yeah. And now we're on the third or fourth generation of Kiesels making guitars, and there's you know family dramas and, th- and stuff like that going on. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a different style of guitar being made now than was made even 10 years ago, even 20 years ago. Definitely... 50, 60 years ago, because yeah. they used to make some wild, like, <laughs> like country, uh, like Mosrite-ish, funky Bakersfield country style stuff. Go look up vintage Carvins. It'll trip you out. They had some wild, wild things in their catalog. Um, yeah. So that's uh, my take as a vintage Gibson owner and not a Mesa owner. That's a weird thing to say that is actually is like factually accurate. That you are a vintage Gibson owner. I think owner. my Gibson is like a 93 is that vintage they only now? Made those, oh, it's always been 25 years, right? Damn, we old. <laughs> we are old now. That's all I got. But guys, hit us up in the chat if you think this is all going to trash. Oh, I wanted to throw this out. A lot of people have been bringing up Trace Elliott. Uh-huh. As like, look, the last time Gibson had an app company. Listen, I never trace an Elliott. I always draw my own Elliott. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, you know, it was like, oh, it's Trace Elliott. And Trace Elliott was like a sought-after brand in the early 90s. And then they sucked. And it's like... You know, I've looked into this a little bit since this came up because I remember seeing Trace Elliott stuff. And I just all I really remember about Trace Elliott from like the late 90s, which I think Gibson took ownership of them in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, Trace Elliott's were never super. They like they were already a dying brand. Basically, they were dying. And That's then, a it's a base amp company with like the bright green logo. Right. Yeah, And they've had a few and like they have the, had the a, metal grill with the holes in it. Yeah. Yeah, they've, they've had a few um, guitar products that were like pretty interesting, um, but I the impression that I've had is basically from reading and different things is that by the time Gibson got a hold of Trace, uh, they were dying, and Gibson was like, oh, "We're gonna put this, we're gonna put this brand in the in the in the old folks' home and kind of forget it exists," and then PV bought the old folks' home and killed it. <laughs> And actually, Trace Elliott, Trace Elliott still exists. Right, right. Um, a lot of times, people they're like they became a PV thing, and a lot know. of times you see one company buy another company, and then that the the bot company like fades out of existence. Yeah, and the assumption is, oh, that the brand that bought them killed them, when the reality is that the company was for sale because they were already dead, and so the buying company bought them to absorb. Equipment, machinery, you know, uh, uh, trademarks, things like that. Um, and the the plan was never to try to revitalize them. The try it was a garage sale, basically. Yeah. You know, John Cusack of Cusack Music. He he's always on the hunt for you know brands that are on the outs, and he makes offers he on them and stuff Mesa. like that. You think John Cusack could buy Mesa now from Gibson? Hey Gibson. Hell if I know. If Mesa doesn't work out for you, John Cusack will step in. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and buy him so right here, up. Here's the thing. Somebody mentioned, I've seen this mentioned a lot, too. Tim Jenkins mentioned it's not going to go well. Just look at Kramer. Kramer was bought by Gibson in 2005. 
By the time 2005 rolled around, Kramer was already done. Kramer was long dead by 2005. Yeah. So you know that the, the this I'm looking at the Wikipedia. It says the original Kramer company effectively came to an end in 1991, and then lost a lawsuit with Floyd Rose. Yeah, I mean they they ended on their own. Gibson bought the brand name because it was floating out there. I'm yeah. assuming it's like uh, you know one of my favorite guitars is one of my favorite brands is Hallmark. That brand was was snatched up and bought by Bob Shade, and it hadn't been active. He bought the trademark. Same yeah. thing with Dan Electro. That yeah. that trademark hadn't been active. He just bought the trademark. I was like, hey, this is available. He saw it like in the classifieds or something. And he was like, I'll buy this up. I'll I'll rebuild this brand. Um, yeah, and and that's a tough thing. And, and sometimes I don't know. You have brands like when freaking Guitar Center bought the acoustic brand. Yeah, like. <laughs> And they kind of just haven't done a lot with it because they just wanted a logo that some old people might recognize. Mm. And, you know, people who weren't around, it doesn't even make sense to them because it's like, no, all the why are all these electric guitar amps called acoustic? Yeah, yeah. It is kind of a really funny decision for them um, to own acoustic as a guitar amp house brand when, you know, no one really, no one young really understands what that brand yeah. is. Um, another, here's, here's another point I've seen people bringing up with Gibson and Mesa. Um, do you think that original pre Gibson Mesa's will be worth more now? I think there will be in the immediate, like I would say two to three years. Yes. But in the long run, in the long run, I think it's going to depend and it's going to be one of those things where old amps are always tricky anyways. Like there yeah. are certain very desirable amps that go for a lot of money, but also a lot of sixties fender amps, a lot of early amps and stuff like that. They go for really close to what you would buy the new version because yeah. maintenance is a bitch. It just really is. And it kind of kills the attractiveness of a lot of older amps, like newer right. amps, you don't have to do the maintenance and there's, they're not fixer uppers. Um, so yes, yeah, like I could go buy a sixties twin reverb for a couple grand, or I could go buy a new one yeah. that won't break. I think, <laughs> you know, I think the whole thing is really going to come down to if there are changes, then there will be a price shift that is permanent. If there's not changes, um, then we're going to see an, a short-term price bump, excuse me, that in like five years, no one will care about anymore. Right, right. I, uh, because, I think because, it, because yeah. and, and again, that's, I'm thinking about that from like the Fender perspective. Sure, like, sure. There are certain amps that there is no difference between a black face and a silver face version of that amp. Yeah. And there are other ones where the circuit did change. And the ones where it didn't change your prices between like, a 65 and a 68, 69 version of that amp are pretty consistent. And the ones where it's changed, like a 65 might be worth double what a 1969 yeah. is. So, also, amp tastes have just have changed. Yeah. You know, I Mesa's been resting on their laurels, as far as I'm aware, for a while. It'll be interesting to see if Gibson puts in the work to revitalize interest in Mesa because nowadays everyone's into their diesels, their revs, their Freedmans, things like that. If people are going to spend a couple grand on a high gain 
tube amp head, that's what they're going for these days. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if Gibson, you know, goes through steps to make them a brand that is desirable and competitive mm-hmm. for today, you know? Wow, we really opened up with a topic, didn't we? we <laughs> Almost did. half an hour. First ad. <laughs> yeah, this first ad was sent by Jason Welch. Yeah. This is a big amp. It's a big, big amp with lots and lots of headroom. Well, you're looking at the guitar in the ad this right is now. The guitar. I want to know what this guitar is. Um, so this ad just never stops giving. Yeah, this is guitars, a big guitars, a big amp I built, and a wah. Should I update the computer right now or yeah, should I do, do it? it this, remind me tomorrow. Do it right now, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, there's almost no information on this listing. They are sold separately or all together for 600 So you can buy all of this together for 600 First of all, this guitar would have made it on the show without any problem, <laughs> without the rest of this ad. Look at this. What is it, though? It looks like some sort of... Uh, yeah, some sort of semi-hollow it looks like situation. A, it looks like a Charvel. It, it looks like if Charvel made a 335 style. It, it honestly looks, could be anything these days. It has an interesting like German carve around the edge. So that could help people identify it if they're trying to figure it out. I'm almost getting a kit vibe off of this. This could be a kit semi-hollow. There's something about the tailpiece is telling me that. Or it could be like a groat or mm. something like that. But this extensive cutting away of the top like it's got f holes but then they cut away more wood around the f holes like isolating the knobs and the switch and the jack into like this kind of scaffolding of slight bits of wood holding it all together i can see where they were going with it but I seriously worry about the structural integrity I mean, of I'm, it. I'm sure it was done on purpose, but I'd like to imagine. No, this was not done on accident. This I, is very no, intentional. No, I, I'm saying I'm sure it was all done for, done on purpose from the beginning. But I want to believe that this is a person who wasn't happy with the pickups that he had or she had. <laughs> uh, I see where you're going. And it was like, oh, I want to swap this out. But this is just like this whole fishing line thing is so much work. What if I just like just. Cut everything up. Yeah, this makes your your pickup swap and your electronics work a lot easier. And on I mean, the people do that, but usually they do it by like beveling out the back and okay. creating a, a control cavity. But you know, so this guitar is bonkers. Uh, but you can buy it with everything else in the ad for six hundred bucks. Yeah, there's another guitar. There's a crybaby, and there is. Well, go to that second guitar. That second guitar is a Kramer. Is that a Kramer? I think. Doesn't that say Kramer oops. on the headstock? Oh, I don't. I can't tell what it says on that headstock, um, but it is some sort of Floyd Rose single cut, less polished yeah. sort of thing. I don't think that's. Maybe it is a Kramer. I don't know. Um, maybe it's one of those uh, early two thousands Musicio Kramers where yeah, they were. That's what, that's what I was thinking. Slamming Floyd Roses onto everything, but this amp, this amp. Look at yeah. this amplifier. How, we shouldn't be talking about anything. Everything else on this ad is interesting, but this amp, amp in air quotes. Amp. You know, it remind it reminds me of when I was a teen and I had a job at a grocery store. Uh, oh, yeah. That's, a a, that's an $800 Kramer. What? Oh, $549. <laughs> it was $799. It honestly doesn't look like it's in bad condition. I think that's the thing that makes this ad worth it. 600 bucks, and you get that and the rest 
I do not know. It, you might still be throwing your money money away. Just buy the guitar. This is okay. This guy wants six hundred dollars. This this amp is both something I'm interested in. Um, okay, I didn't get to finish my story. Oh yeah, finish your story. <laughs> so. Uh, Working at the grocery store, there was like a stoner kid that I would work with, mm-hmm. and he found that that I play electric guitar. And he's like, "Hey, man, you know what you should do?" It's like, "No, what should I do?" Oh, uh, you should connect your guitar amp to a subwoofer. And he brought this up multiple times to me, <laughs> like he was really hot on this idea. I was like, "I, you know, I don't. I think maybe if it was, if I was a bass guitarist, that would make sense. But for regular guitar, I don't think that really makes sense. This." It was probably built by that guy. It is all audio, like like automotive audio components stitched together into some kind of amp situation. It looks like it almost looks like it's trying to be the amp from Back to the Future. It kind of yeah, <laughs> with a giant that. aluminum cones. But holy hell, what's going on here? It's it's two amps, I think. Yeah, so the the GA20, that's just a guitar amp. I actually just found one on e- on eBay that was the original one, not just this chopped up head, that for forty five dollars. It's like one of those practice amps that you buy at Music Central. Um, the side amp, I don't know what that is. Um, <laughs> I don't know what that thing hanging off the side is. I'm, I just, I just don't know. I'm trying to get this, these comments down. It makes it tricky. Um, I'll see if I can zoom in. No, you can't. Some, it says lead series. You can't read the descriptions on the controls. Oh, go up to, just scroll up to it the. Won't, it won't let me do oh, that. Here, here, I can do it all over here. It says G20. Is that a G? I see a Q. That might be a Q20. You might be right. That might be a Q20. You know, it probably it you run you run the right thing through that. It probably doesn't sound terrible. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's an acoustic amp. Is it really? It's an acoustic. <laughs> it is a G. It's an acoustic G twenty uh, lead series amplifier. Now Steve wants this. Now I really want no, but it's like the new acoustic. So basically, somebody took two practice amps, <laughs> smashed it into this thing. Here's here's the other thing. Uh, you have to admire it. You have to admire the craftsmanship. It's you know compared to some of the bad things wait, we whoa, see. Wait, what kind? Of, what craftsmanship? Compared to some of the bad things we see, it actually looks functional. It looks like someone put it together and it worked. Yeah, I'm sure it worked, Ryan. But can you imagine? Oh, you know, if this had been local. When we were doing the uh, the park gallery, that all ages venue, like someone would have showed up with this, and we would have been flabbergasted by it, and it would probably would have been the loudest show of our lives. Okay, so here's the thing, and, and uh, this is actually one where I would <laughs> Art just said that's a Gibson slash Mesa amp. Um, <laughs> Lots of Gibson jokes coming in hot. <laughs> That's a leaked Gibson Mesa prototype. Oh Audio podcast listeners, go look at the pictures of this. It is a giant like trunk, like trunk inhabiting yeah. gray acoustic cloth wrapped subwoofer cab. It looks huge. It's next to a bed and it's like twice as tall as the bed with an amp. Bolted to the side of it, and then another amp, like another amp chassis, like screwed into the midst of it. So here's the thing. Between the two speakers. Here's the thing with all of this, right? So these are recommended 100 to 200 watts. Um, 
The speakers? Yeah. This is a recommended amp power, 100, 200 watts. They have a pretty wide frequency response. But the sensitivity on these speakers, well, I don't know in these exact speakers, but similar ones, um, they're they're only like 86, 87 dBs of sensitivity, like in terms of sensitivity. That's why, you know, people build these car uh, car stereo systems with like this super booming bass and they're like, I've got a thousand watts. Right, right. And it's like, dude, if you put a thousand watts of bass through a ba- a proper bass speaker, you would d- kill people. Right, right. But Flesh would fall th- from the bone. But you put a thousand watts through this and you're like, listen to my car fall apart. Right, and it's, it's more about moving just a big chunk of yeah. air than actually transmitting audio signal. Because, and it's because they're they're actually like, like because I wanted to do this when I was a teen and I, I had people telling me. Uh, <laughs> uh, Grant just asked, or, or Karen Bigger asked, why doesn't the bed have sheets? If you have this amp in your room, you would shit the bed every night. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> they um, just lay down a tarp every night because you cannot sleep in the bed next to this amp without just soiling it every single night. <laughs> Sorry, interrupted your thought, whatever you. it was. Uh, no, I, it's just, it's a thing where uh, I just, I I was actually told like when I was a kid, because I wanted to do this, because these speakers aren't super expensive. I was like, oh, can I just drop one of these? Actually, I was thinking about like dropping up one of those speakers in the crate. And like literally everyone I talked to was like, no, there's a, there's like, you get no volume out of these. Um, Dak Crowell just said, oh, holy crap. It's a fever amp in the middle of the cab. Quality pro Walmart amp. There you go. So some sort of Walmart brand amplifier. (laughs) I bet this whole thing came from Walmart. (laughs) I bet bet the subwoofer cab and the speakers came from Walmart in the automotive section. All right, so uh, let's go to the wall. This person, I know, I know, like the mental process that goes into this. It comes from being a broke teenager, yeah, and being like, I really need like a hundred watt amp for my band. My, you know, my drummer says I need a hundred watts to get over. But this is each one of these is only twenty watts. Well, you put them together and it's forty, Steve. Oh, okay. I don't think it works that way. And the kids like, I don't have money to buy a loud guitar amp. Oh, but I can buy this pile no. of junk from Walmart and and fashion it together. You know what this is for? What? They're selling two guitars. Right. There's two amps here. This yes. is a band in a it's box. A band in a box, and you get the wah pedal. You only gotta, one. Only one of you gets to wah. You get to share the wah. It's down here in the little corner. Oh, you didn't take a picture. I didn't screen, because it, it was. They didn't, didn't even take a picture the of their own wah. They didn't take a picture of their own wah. It's a product shot. Yeah. Um, at six hundred dollars. Is it bad that like I kind of want to check this out? <laughs> at six hundred dollars, at least you would be hitting a little bit even with that black Kramer, which doesn't look terrible, and I bet it probably plays fine. I mean, those Kramers are probably only like two fifty, three hundred on the used market. Sure, sure. I don't know what that that I would drive five thing is. I would drive across town to check this out to to play it, not to buy it. I like. I just want to. I just want to see it. I want to experience this. I don't want to buy it. I just want to. You should charge me an admission ticket to spend five minutes with it, and my curiosity will be quenched. <laughs> oh my goodness! This is off the rails. You want to do an ad? Uh, sponsorship. This week's first sponsor is uh, Chase Plus Audio. Uh, boom. They teased, they teased that there's something crazy coming out 2021. Yeah. yeah they we don't know. We don't know what it we is. We don't know what it is. They, they haven't told us anything, has one. but if they're saying it's crazy, 
I don't have it. I don't have what, what I have no idea. If they're saying it's crazy, then that means that it's gonna be at least on par, if not crazier, than the last two things they put out, the automaton stuff. How does it get crazier than this? Okay. I don't know. Okay, it's an automaton, but it's built into like a 32 channel Mackie board. It's the preamp Mark II, it's the CXM 1978, and then it's like a third new automaton series, but they're all put together in a single board that's like this big. Here's what it's gonna be. I'm about to I'm gonna about to bust open this leak wide open, guys. Automaton, but it's a tuner. It's a polyphonic tuner. Uh, each one of the sliders represents a string, and if it goes out, the slider moves up a little bit or it goes down a little bit, and you're trying to get them all in the middle, and they oh just move gosh. automatically. Chase Bliss Automaton Tuner. Keep an eye out for it. Who's nope. it, it going to be collabed with? Uh, it's going to be a collab with Boss, makers of the... No, it's going to be a co collab with uh, Peterson. Peterson! It's going to be the Peterson Slider Mark II Automaton Tuner. By Chase Bliss Audio, and man, it is going to be market disrupting. So keep an eye out for that. Huge thanks once again, despite all our nonsense, to Chase Bliss Audio for sponsoring this podcast. Go check them out. Thanks, Joel. Thank you. All right, this <laughs> next ad was sent by. No, we got to do what's new, man. Oh, I didn't put a thing in my. We're space forty for minutes into it. We we changed the uh, the order of the, of the episode. We still have to do what's new. All right, what's new, Ryan? Well, I've orchestrated a trade. Uh, that I was not expecting. I've had a pedal up on reverb for um, a while now. I'm not going to say which one. Uh, and someone wrote me like, hey, can we do a trade? And I just think the process is interesting. The process isn't my what's new. It's like, you know what? I will take that trade. It is for a, uh, a Jackson audio pedal. I forget which one. One of their drive pedals. Um, I will take that trade. They offered to pay uh, the difference because... My pedal was listed a little higher than theirs. Why will you not say what it, this is? It's the uh, it's the it's the gray channel, the two sided two fifty oh, sort okay. of thing. Um, so, anyways, I took the trade. The guy was Wait, the gray matter. The gray matter. Gray ma that's the it. gray channels that you're. That's right. That's right. Uh, the gray matter. So, anyways, um, <laughs> I'm going to get to the point of the story. Yeah. Any moment What'd now. What you trade for? The guy. The, for the Jackson Audio thing. I, I forgot the name of it already. Uh, you can tell I'm super excited about it. The, I'm just curious to try blue? something. The it's Prism? Not, no. The, the oh, what's it called? I could look it up. It's on my reverb. Oh, my gosh. Um, so any, all right, tell the story. I'll look I'll look up every Jackson Audio no, I'll be able to find it right now. The, the guy uh, was like, hey, let's both offer each other, you know, zero. Let's do an offer of zero to each other. Okay. And then we'll just exchange them. And it's like, that sounds like a cool idea. And I know if we do that, then we're skipping out on reverb percentage fees and stuff like that. But then I was like, um, if I get screwed here, mm -hmm. my refund is nothing. Yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> Golden Boy. Corey Dean says Golden Boy. It's, That's the other one. Let me let me find which one it is. Um, purchases. Jackson Audio Broken Arrow. Oh, Broken Arrow. The that's, Broken Arrow. Broken yeah. Arrow. I keep saying that. Broken um, Arrow. So anyways, I told the guy. And, and the other downside is that sucks for the manufacturer to have something yeah. on a record that's sold used. 
For zero. For zero. Yeah, we only do that when we're trying to screw brands. Yeah, when we're trying to like exact revenge on crappy people. That's what we do, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we just pass a pedal back and forth amongst <laughs> each other for zero dollars. Where is that pedal anyway? I don't know. <laughs> we didn't actually do that. Uh, <laughs> um, so anyways, actually, it only happened once and the, it, you know, the lowest grade gets thrown out is what I figured out is so it would, it probably wouldn't matter, but still it felt crappy. So I decided like, Hey, let's just do mm. our selling prices. Keep it all square. Keep it all fair. Even though technically that means we're out some money. I just feel better about it. What do you think of that transaction, Steve? You think I did the right That's thing? Fine. You probably did. The, I mean, I don't. So what did you, you just bought each other's things? Yeah, we just bought each other's things. We agreed to, agreed to just buy each other's things. Oh, okay. And it's like, no, that's fine. if I backed out and was like, oh, gotcha, the person would be like, well, then I'm backing out too. You know, <laughs> There's no way to scam someone that way. You're, you go through the proper channels. And I think that's, you know, really the, the, the attractive point of these well-established online sellers is that there is, you know, a protection model there built into it. So that's what that's my what's new. I know that was kind of meandering. I'm sorry, guys, but that was meandering. We're 40 Ryan. minutes into it, anyways. If if you listen this long, you know what we're all about. Do you have anything new? Um. <laughs> this is this is gonna take all night. Steve is searching for his what's new. No. No. Okay. Next ad. Uh, this was sent to us by Jason Fuzzmonger. And oh, my uh, my my Sweetwater Black Friday purchase finally shipped. <laughs> what did you get? I bought a I bought the JBL Bluetooth speaker. Good for you. Finally Steve. shipped. Finally. Oh, and I bought a Rare Buzzer Effects shirt. The, oh. the below average guitar shirt. Oh, you got one of those. Yeah, I bought one. All it's right, on, it's on its way. So this ad was sent to us by Jason Fuzzmonger and a few other people. Uh, we got a couple of them in our inbox. And so if you send it and I'm not giving you credit, I'm sorry, but this is for a solid wood coffin trade for a high end guitar. I have an extra coffin on my hands due to misdiagnosis. Oi, it fits six, two and is solid mahogany. If you know coffins, you know what this is worth. I am looking to trade for a high end guitar, preferably a PRS, but a Gibson might do no lowball offers email for more picks and details. My gut reaction is this has to be a joke. It's gotta be a joke. You don't right? think that's real. It's pretty dark. No, I no think one buys real. their own coffin. Uh, if you're, if you have a, Di diagnosis of like a terminal illness you probably do i think you let your family take care of the details i, I don't, don't think know, you go man. out and buy your own coffin also this is Maybe that what coffins alone. is that what coffins actually look like these days it looks like it could it looks homemade well, maybe he bought it from uh, maybe it's a local be craftsman bespoke. it's a bespoke coffin <laughs> I mean, coffins are expensive. We know coffins are expensive. Mm -hmm. I always hear about that. Like, don't die. It's too expensive. It's and too so that's that's why I stay alive. Oh, um, that's why. That's why. Because it's too expensive to die. And I totally believe that they're worth PRS and Gibson money. Yeah. Or more. I've looked. At, I've shopped coffins on Costco, and it's like $2,000 to start. Think about... The target market here. Think about the potential buyer. It's someone who has a really nice guitar but thinks they're going to die. 
It's like, oh yeah, I could use a coffin. I'm about to die. This is. I'm not going to use the guitar when I'm dead. I'll be using maybe, the coffin maybe though. You have a nice guitar, and somebody, uh, somebody, excuse me, somebody else died. <laughs> Michael Krauss points out. <laughs> I like how it says an extra coffin, as if he has more than one coffin on hand. You know, I had a couple. This is the extra one. We didn't end up using it. <laughs> Oh boy, that feels dark. Also, he doesn't say it's his. It just says that he we, has an extra one. It was a misdiagnosis for someone else. Yeah, it could be. It could be somebody okay. else's misdiagnosis. Okay, this is a story unfolding here. This is a story all about how <laughs> my coffin trade got turned upside down. <laughs> no, this guy is Sky, related Sky, to someone. Sky says, "Guys, it's just a goth. It's it's, it's Richmond. Just a goth. It's Richmond." <laughs> Hello. Um, this guy has a family member, a loved one who thought they were going to die. Mm -hmm. And so they did the frugal thing and went coffin shopping beforehand and picked out, you know, just the right coffin before they died. And then the person was like, surprise, I'm not going to die. The doctor was wrong. It's not a brain cloud. There's a movie reference for you. Um, it's not a brain cloud. I'm going to survive. And like, well, now I've got this coffin laying around. What do I like? I like guitars. I'm going to treat myself. <laughs> Wouldn't you think that the best thing to do would be to sell it? Uh, How maybe there's also a listing of it for sale somewhere else. Maybe. It's just like they also have... Uh, it's Nashville, man. It's Nashville. Musicians are dying in Nashville. They're dying to get into this coffin. You get real. This could get real dark, and it's been dark, dude. No. <laughs> Welcome to 2021. Our first ad has a coffin in it. <laughs> this is our second ad. I our second episode. I know. Well, first episode didn't count because first, oh, first episode. It, yeah, it's, yeah. I'm it was pretty rowdy. Ad. Unless you've got any more good jokes, I think I'm all joked out on this. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you want to do another sponsor? Yeah, we'll do the other sponsor. Uh, Oops, no, I didn't I mean to do that. What am I? Oh, I've got it pulled up the other way. All right, you you read the sponsor. Uh, this next uh, this show is also brought to you by Big Ear. Big Ear Pedals. This is an old one. I just realized this has the Big Ear NYC. Yeah, they're in the chat right now. So everyone in the chat, say hi to Grant and Karen over there at Big Ear. Yeah, uh, but they sponsor the show. This is this is the L. This is the sparkle finish on the. Mm. I really love the sparkle finish. Uh, the L is a really, really smooth little slightly modulated reverberation It's kind of machine. an, it's a neat little box. I was playing around with it today. It's a neat little reverb because it's got this kind of like vintage belt and brick take, belt and brick take on a spring reverb. Yeah. But with this slightly modern modulation to it, like it's got kind of this you know, kind of like shoegazy, ambient, churchy sort of vibe going it's on. It's pretty much an always-on for me. It's a great always-on reverb. Like, if you're looking for an always-on reverb that's just a little bit special, maybe yeah. a lot bit special, I recommend the L. I think it's actually really cool. Um, so check that out. Huge thanks to uh, Bigger Pedals, Grant and Karen over there, yeah. for continuing to support the show. They bought us a $90 bottle of champagne last week. So there you go. All right. Uh... Should we do the topic or should we do one more ad and peace out? It's an easy topic. It's a quick topic. We'll do the topic. This is the quick topic call out from the Facebook group. Yeah, it's a Donald Strayton. He wants to know uh, if you're in a band. If you had to choose, would you rather have a bad drummer or a bad singer in a band? Uh, well, I've 
been in bands with bad drummers and it was not uh, great. I it's feel not like enjoyable. bands I, with bad drummers are likely to just make it through about two or three practices and just no one ever calls each yeah. other again. Uh, but and, with a bad singer, you kind of just like, well, people can't really tell. You know, it's fine. Yeah, I was in two bands with you, so clearly <laughs> I would choose bad singer over a bad drummer. Yeah. Uh, I've been in, I guess, like... like Most the, bands have a bad singer. One of the first bands I was in uh, with, with, with Adam, uh, I wouldn't say that our drummer was bad, but he was a d- young, dumb kid who was, like, still kind of learning the drums. Mm-hmm. And... He would just randomly, like, we'd be going, he'd be playing his thing, playing his thing. And then just randomly in the middle of a song, we'd realize that he'd been, like, playing the drum fill from, like, a Blink-182 song for the last 30 seconds. <laughs> right, right. Or like, dude, what are, yeah. you, what are you doing? A band with a bad drummer is, is non-functional. Yeah. Like, and there's, you know, there's subjective bad. And then there's actually bad. I'm talking non-functional. If you have a non-functional drummer, you can't function as a oh, band. Yeah. If yeah. you have a non-functional singer, you're still punk rock. You can still exist. Yeah. The yeah. best thing about being in a band with a bad singer is when you're also a bad singer, you can be like, yo, dude, let me do some background vocals. <laughs> People are like, you guys are clashing. Dude, yeah, we're both out of tune. So what? Yeah, deal with it. It's called chorus, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's called harmonies. <laughs> This is jazz, okay? <laughs> you don't get it. You don't get like these polyrhythms uh, and stuff, bro. Uh, no, that's a bad drummer. Is I know. Polyrhythms, <laughs> poly, poly okay? Uh, yeah, I, I don't think I would be able to stick with a band now that had a bad drummer. There's a, a neighbor of mine has a band that rehearses every now and then, like on yeah. Saturdays. It's like a cover band. Mm-hmm. Horrendous singer, <laughs> really bad singer. The rest of the band is fine. As you say, how's their drummer? Their drummer is fine. I think the drummer is my neighbor. He's a couple houses okay. over. Um, I think he's the drummer, but man, the singer is just so comically bad. And like you can hear because we're like on a little canyon thing, you can hear it bouncing around. So I can actually hear it really clearly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can hear the whole band mix. And it's like, man, MJ, MJD Brune. Uh, in the chat says drum machine or sing machine. Uh, and I think about this. I've actually done a few shows back when we were doing the park gallery where people brought in, you know, drum machines. Uh-huh. Um, you know, they just, every song, they're just pushing a button and letting the computer drums go. But I'm kind of interested in thing and uh, sing machine. Yeah. I want to hear the sing uh, machine. It kind of makes me think of like, like a speaking the, spell, the robot voice guy, the robot voice track from the long December. Mm. Uh, episode uh, or whatever. Uh, long Beach, Neil Barber. Yeah, I want a, I want a uh, Stephen Hawking vocalist. <laughs> I kind of want, I kind of want to hear that, dude. If Stephen Hawking called me up tonight and was like, "Let's start a band," I'd be like, "Hell yeah, Stephen Hawking! We are starting a band right now." And he's like, "Oh, I still like me at Wallabeat." Isn't he dead? Well. Pretty sure he's There's dead. a casket for him on the market. Oh my God. That's, <laughs> now, is he dead? Now it's dark. Now it's dark. Now we're Yee. talking about Stephen Hawking dead in the ground. Well, you know, there's got to be someone else out there yeah. that can join my robot band. You know what time it is, Ryan? It is time for the last it's ad. It's time for some housekeeping. Oh, housekeeping. If you'd like to support this show or even intentionally not talk about politics at all this episode, because if you've listened to the show, you already know what's up. Yeah. We already know. You already know what we're down with. Um, and here's the deal guys. If you are, uh, 
a a political person mm. that doesn't agree with us because you're stupid and you think this whole election was a fraud. Whoa. And also Hot you think takes. Trump should just murder everyone in Congress and take over or whatever. Wow. Uh, well, you're an idiot, but also give us money because <laughs> you're clearly too stupid to know what to do with your own money. I'm so glad we didn't talk politics this episode. Um, we got all the way through it without talking politics. Yeah. It's, one, it's wonderful. And if you're uh, like anyone else who wants to support the show, you can hang on. Head on over to patreon.com slash 60 cycle hum humcast. 60 cycle hum clash. Uh, 60 cycle humcast, like these people did uh, at the $1 level, uh, Joe Heisey. Thank you for joining thank us. Thank you, Joe. Uh, at the $5 level, uh, Tom Maxson and Matt Hurt. And at the $10 level, uh, Peter Bright. I mean, no matter our politics, if you support us through Patreon or any other way, just know that you are sending support to Californians yeah. in the failed state of California. Ooh, we're going to get you. <laughs> just know that. Uh, Look out, Texas. We're going to turn you California any day now. If uh, if you send us money, thank you for your support. Uh, we understand what you feel and we love you. We love you. Go in peace. <laughs> Steve. <laughs> All right, this last ad was sent by Drew Smizer. Oh my gosh. He is smizing. Right this now. one actually I had in the slot for last week and we didn't get to it because oh. we drank two bottles of champagne. Dude. Um it is a guild G A D R E 32. There's a lot of numbers and words here. It's a heavily modified guild acoustic. Really? This is a beautiful guild. I switched away from with a sunburst finish. That's all I got because you changed. Okay. It. Do you want to read the whole thing? No, I just want to read a it block was added to put a vintage vibe. Oh, that's a vintage vibe. HS uh, P90 in the sound hole. Also on the soundboard to allow the Bigsby to be installed. I also swapped the tuners out. There's no volume or tone. So all you get is a pick. They dropped a P90 in it yeah. and freaking hot wired it direct to output. Yes. No controls. I like their style. That is rad. Yes. Um, and you know, this thing is not grounded at all. I used it for years to add color to my soul. Is it really not grounded? It could be grounded. Uh, they would have mentioned it. No, the, you ground a, you ground a post. Um, if you're looking for a fun, unique guitar to add your arsenal, um, it doesn't, I feel like if it was buzzing, they would say that, but they're selling it, man. Who knows? Yeah. No, I would be surprised. Maybe they have, they ran a ground to the big speed. That's what I'm saying. They, I mean, that's, that's what I would have done. Yeah. That would be the smart thing to do. Run, to run a ground the, to, the big speed. to the strap peg and then you're good to go. Yeah. Yeah. Good to go. You know, didn't Guild or no Gretsch came out with an acoustic guitar with a big yeah. speed on it. I always wanted to try one of those. I don't hate it. I honestly don't. I actually did something similar to one of my acoustic guitars, and I did hate that because I did not ground the pickup. I put a humbucker in the sound hole of an acoustic guitar forever and ever ago, and it was a mistake, but it was a learning experience as well. I am wondering, though, how that bridge saddle is going to hold up to big speed use. Mm. It is going to wiggle that back and forth, and those things snap under pressure. Eventually, that will snap. The bridge. The bridge saddle, it will get worn out and it will be over at some point. I don't know. What do they want for it? Do they wanted like five hundred something, right? Five seventy five plus fifty shipping. They want six hundred bucks for it. What do these go for in That's unmolested problem, condition? Right? I feel like they probably don't go for that much. I don't think they do. 
a Guild GAD30RE from 2009. 625 on reverb. Nah. Uh, there's also another a GAD50 for 450 on reverb. So it kind of seems like the. That's pricey, man. This is pretty up there. That modification, even though technically you're adding functionality to the guitar, it's an acoustic guitar. There's not going to be a lot of acoustic guitars out there that are hot for this. They're not going to pay an upcharge for it. They're going to want a discount for this. Sassy Cat says $400 tops. I I tend to agree with that. I'm feeling like $350, $375 is where my bargaining would start. Mm. If I was even interested, which I'm not. Because I mean, you can make an offer. This seller is open to offers. How much do those Gretsch ones go for? The Gretsch. I'm going to oh, search for it. What are they even called? Uh, Gretsch Acoustic Bigsby. Copal says we should get the Mezcal from Trader Joe's. Eight fifty is what they go for. Mixed with ice and orange juice. But the Gretsch, the Gretsch one is intended to be that way, and it's the whole package, and it gets, has like the uh, the Chet Atkins bar on it, right? And it has like the cool uh, sound hole mm -hmm. uh, cut, and it has a Filtertron in the neck position, not blocking the sound hole. I mean, yeah, if I was looking at this, I'd be like, I'm, I'm just gonna go track down one of those Gretsches and try that, and do it official instead of this thing that's hobbled together. It doesn't look like it's bad craftsmanship. It looks like it's done fine. Mm -hmm. But I, there's no resale here. You would have you would have to walk away with it for like 350 to feel decent about it. And then still it's like, I don't know if I'll ever be able to sell this to anyone. <laughs> oh know? no. Once you have this, you're kind of like right. stuck. You have to it. find another sucker, is the problem. Yeah. You know. <laughs> what if it's really good? What if you uh what if you get this and you write the next yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know what kind of. This is the one is. where if I got this guitar, it would suddenly unlock my hidden talent. and I would become a great songwriter. <laughs> Finally, an instrument to unlock my hidden potential. Mm. Yeah, it's not going to happen, right? All right. Tell us about the song. And let's get out of here. Yeah. This song that you're going to hear on the audio version of the podcast was sent by Alex Goats. Hope I pronounce that right. He's in a band called Scholler. Actually, all he just makes music is Scholler, and uh, he says uh, he's just put out two tracks. We're gonna play one called Pressure Plate. He says they're both jangly, post-punk, fast and riffy, with an emphasis on clean chorus guitar and bass parts, mainly from an old Boss CE2 and a Squire VM Jazzmaster. Hope you enjoy them. And there's a uh, he's got a. Well, we're going to play the song. Yeah. Well, everyone watching the YouTube version, we don't have the song in here. Uh, those of you in the audio podcast world, enjoy it. And video people, go click on the podcast Monday morning and check out the audio version so you can hear that song as well. Bye, everyone. Stay grounded. Yeah. the chase leaving someone behind now every day not as bad as you say 
Not as bad as you think I'm giving up Feels talented Feels talented 